title of my message today is Why We Do What We Do. And this is uh, kind of a part two of our Vision Sunday that we had last week. Why We Do What We Do. Why don't we pray and ask God's blessing on our time together. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your goodness to us, Lord. Father, you are good all the time. Lord, we're not, but you are. And I just thank you, that, Lord, for that grace that we need that's new every morning, your mercies, your kindness towards us. And Lord, we pray as we open your word today, as we talk about the reasons behind how we do church here at Calvary Chapel, Lord, that you'll bless, and Lord, that it'll be uh, a time of gaining information, knowledge, but also just, Lord, of, of learning more about the scriptures that we talk about today. And, and so, Father, we just pray that you'll bless the morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul spends the better part of 15 chapters instructing the church at Corinth on how to do church. Paul answers a couple of important questions. First, he answers the question, what are the components of a healthy church? And more importantly, he answers the question, why are they important? Now, in the discussion Paul has with this church, he addresses the need to deal with a sinful brother. And how do we handle sin within the church? How and why and when do we apply church discipline? He encourages the church to strive for unity and to get beyond the little disputes that are going on. He talks about how to deal with legal disputes that happen between individuals in the church. He gives them instructions on being married and on being single and the importance of both. He deals with arguments that were in the church about whether they could eat certain foods or whether they needed to abstain. He even talked about the dangers of taking communion in a way that offends the body of Christ and in a way that offends God. And then Paul steps into the deep waters and he starts talking about the roles of men and women within the church. And then he dives even deeper when he begins to talk about spiritual gifts and their place within the public worship services on Sunday mornings. And then in verse 40 of chapter 14... The apostle wraps up his thoughts with this instruction. He says, let all things be done decently and in order. Here Paul is laying out an important principle for everybody in church life. Every church needs to conduct itself in a way that is decent or appropriate. And in a way that maintains order or keeps things under control and avoids chaos when we meet together as a church. Church life can take on many different styles. But whatever the style is of that church, things need to be done morally and biblically correct. Churches have a lot of different types of personalities. But regardless of the personality of your church... Things need to be done with order and with purpose. It's imperative that pastors and church leaders plan the worship services in a way that pleases God and accomplishes the purposes that He wants to accomplish each time we get together. And and with this thought in mind, I want us to spend our time together this morning answering the question, why do we do what we do here at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain? 
Now, if you're new to, to Calvary Chapel here, or if you've been coming for 20 years, you've begun to see how we do things. But you may have no idea why we do them the way we do them, or what's the motivation behind them, or what are we trying to accomplish. See, in conjunction with our Vision Sunday last week, Pastor Thandy thought it would be helpful if we spent some time and talked about why we do church the way we do church here. And so this morning, I'm going to try to answer several questions that you might have. And what my hope is, is to give you the reasons behind why we do what we do. Trust me, in everything that we do, there's purpose and there's thought behind it. When we gather together for worship and for study, there's a reason why we're doing things the the way we're doing them. So let's dive in, and let's start first with the question that we get asked many, many times. Why don't we take up an offering here at Calvary Chapel as part of our morning worship service? If I had a dollar for every time I had been asked that question, I'd have 10 or 12 dollars. No, I'd do all right. No, we actually get asked that question a lot. You know, guys... If you've been here at least one Sunday, you realize that we don't pass the plate. As a matter of fact, in the 42 and a half years of our existence, we've only passed a plate one time, to my knowledge. It was a special event on a Wednesday night. It was taken when we had the African Children's Choir here. You may remember that event if you were here. And the reason we took up an offering that night was it was because of the agreement that they had with us that we would do it. And that they would get the proceeds of whatever was taken up, and we agreed to it. I don't think there's a correlation here, but that was the last service that we had before the pandemic shut everything down. So you're going to really have to press us hard to ever pass the plate again here at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. I'm going to promise you that. But seriously, there are reasons why we don't take up an offering, that why we don't pass the plate on Sunday morning during our worship service. I want to explain to you why. First, through the years, the church as a whole has gotten a terrible reputation of only wanting people's money. Have you seen that? Greedy church leaders have always been present in the church. Men and women who preach the gospel and minister to others just for selfish gain. They were around in Paul's day, and trust me, they're still around today. And at Calvary Chapel, guys, we never want anyone to give a dime to our church because they feel pressure to. We want people to give for one reason and one reason only. And that is is a response to God's grace and to the goodness that He has expressed to them in their lives. See, we want your tithes and offerings to be given from a heart of thanksgiving. Not because, wow, here comes the plate and people are watching. Yes, we believe it's very important that Christians should give back to God. We believe that your tithes and your offerings are an important part of your worship, and they help support the work of God here at Calvary Chapel. And here's the truth, guys. If God doesn't have your wallet, He may not have your heart, because the two are closely connected to one another. But we also believe that giving should not be forced or coerced in any way. And so we place those two boxes back there in the corner so that you can privately and discreetly Give your worship to the Lord by dropping your tithes and offerings into those boxes. Or when you're at home and you go online and you do it there. But whenever you do it, make sure that you're, you're doing it because, Lord, I just thank you for your blessings and, and we just want to give back. 
Jesus said something interesting in Matthew chapter 6, and you ladies have just studied it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you give, or when you do your charitable deeds, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, or don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Obviously, this is impossible. You can't do something with one hand and the other hand know what you're doing. Here Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's making a point that our giving needs to be a private thing between us and God. God knows your heart to give. Nobody else needs to know. And by passing the plate, I'll be honest with you, we're forcing you to go public with something that should be private. And we don't want to promote that showiness. We don't want to put you on the spot in any way. We want to avoid any kind of coercion. Any kind of public praise that would steal your reward away from what God wants to give you. Lastly, and this is important too. Guys, believe it or not, this is a good practice for us pastors. You know, why should we teach you the importance of trusting God with your finances if we're not willing to trust God with our finances? You know, it would be easy for us to get up and, you know, when things are kind of lean, to push a little bit harder. But we can't. We can't manipulate you into giving and then at the same time say, hey, you need to trust God. We've got to trust God. And this is one of the ways that we trust the Lord. And by the way, in the 42 years of doing things this way, we've never missed paying a bill on time, at least not on purpose. <laughs> and as of today, we don't have any debt. The Lord has provided for every need that we've had, and for that, we praise the Lord. Now, second, let, let me dive into a touchy subject that continues to be a point of contention with some folks, and it's this. Why don't we allow babies and preschool children into our sanctuary on Sunday morning? Now, in answering this question, I want to deal with the larger question of why we do our children's ministry during our adult worship time. Pastor Sandy and I both grew up in churches where young children sat through the morning worship service. I grew up in a wonderful Baptist church. We had Sunday school from 9.45 to 10.45. And then from 11 to 12, we went into big church. And I got to tell you, for a young boy, this was nothing short of torture. I grew up hating, literally hating to go to church. First of all, they made me put on uncomfortable clothes that I wore nowhere else in my life except to church. And then I had to sit still during this service that was totally geared to adults. There was nothing, there was nothing that happened that morning that attracted me as a seven, eight, nine year old little boy. I can promise you. It was just boredom, it was excruciating. And most Sunday mornings, or I'll say many, not most, many Sunday mornings ended with. Me getting a spanking on the way home for the way I behaved in church. Can any of you relate to that? Most of our mornings were spent with my parents trying to distract us by playing little games like the dot-to-dot -dot game. Did you guys play this one where, you know, you would put one line and then your brother would put the other line and, you'd, and, and then when you completed the square, you put your initial in it? That was how I spent most of my Sunday mornings at church. One particular Sunday morning, I got in big trouble. That Sunday... The deacon's choir had sung, the men, you know, had sung. And, and so the pastor got up after this special song that they did, and the pastor got up and he was excited, and he said, you know, that was so good. I think we're just going to close the service and go home. To which 
I responded a little louder than I thought it was going to be. I'll say amen to that. Let's just say if looks could kill, my dad would have ended my life in that moment. It was not a pleasant scene on the way home either. See, we never ever want children to come to our church and to hate it. We don't want your kids in children's ministry to be bored. Now, it's not just about entertainment either. Hey, coming to church is about learning. And our goal is to teach them the truths of Scripture on a, le- on a level where they can learn and have fun and enjoy learning. We want to do it, though, on their level. See, we've structured our nursery and our children's ministry in a way that it's hopefully fun and effective and enjoyable to them. I wanted my kids to grow up wanting to come to church. And so this is why I brought them every week. And, and you know what? They didn't hate coming to church. And I was so thankful for that. And we don't want your children to hate coming to church. We want it to be uh, something they look forward to. But there's another reason. We also want our adult worship time to be one that's free of distraction. Trust me, if you brought a baby or a toddler in here this morning, unless they were sound asleep, we would know it. Because pause and listen for just a second. It's quiet in here. And the reason it's quiet is because we want you to be able to focus and concentrate on the most important thing that we're doing all week long, which is coming in, worshiping the Lord, and studying His Word. And and bringing a toddler or a baby in here, you know, it wouldn't be their fault if they started cooing or started screaming or Being a little two-year-old that can't sit still, it wouldn't be their fault. It would be our fault because we put them in a situation that God didn't want them to be in. Because, trust me guys, I know this. God did not create three-year-old little boys to sit still. He didn't create six-year-old little boys to sit still. He barely created 16-year-old boys to sit still. I think sometimes we need seatbelts in the chairs for some of our teenagers just to hold them there. Guys, everything that we do in this service is designed for adults. And we want you to be able to focus on what's being taught. We don't want you to be distracted by a cute little baby that's cooing in the row in front of you or a little rambunctious toddler that's sitting there. And most importantly, guys, we don't want you to teach your children to come to the service and sleep through it. Or worse, to play a game on mom's phone. Okay? You know, we play dot to dots today. I see it happen all the time. Here, here's, the, here's the phone. Let's watch a, watch a show in the middle of church. You know, let's uh, do it quietly. We've got our earplugs in. We don't want to do that to our kids. We don't want them to teach them to grow up thinking that going to church is a time to be distracted and not pay attention to what's being said. And so this is why we do things the way we do them. Our goal at Calvary Chapel is to have a service for adults where you can grow and to have a service for kids where they can grow and have fun and learn on their level. And that brings us to question number three. Why don't we have an adult Sunday school here at Calvary Chapel? It's a great question. For many, many years, I want you to understand something about church life. For many, many years, the primary goal on a Sunday morning service in most churches, and this was up until probably the last 30 years, 
was it was primarily geared towards evangelism. In the church that I grew up in, almost every Sunday morning message was geared to reach the one or two people sitting in our congregation who were not Christians. And so for the other 99% of the folks who were already saved, they just sort of sat patiently through the service hoping that the one or two people who weren't saved got at the message that day and got saved. But guys, at Calvary Chapel, we, we want to teach the Bible. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And here's the problem with adult Sunday school. To, not a, the problem. It, it, here's, one of the, here's one of the differences. If we have adult Sunday school and we have a volunteer in there teaching, that volunteer at best is probably going to put one, maybe two hours into preparing to teach you. Okay, And that's great. That's great. But our pastors, when we get ready to do a message, Pastor Sandy spends hours preparing, studying, putting his notes together, knowing what he wants to say and how he wants to say it, and discerning God's Word, so that when we teach you on Sunday morning, we are giving you the best we can possibly give you. Because we want you to be the best-fed sheep. We want you to walk out those doors on Sunday morning more knowledgeable of your Bible. We want you to know what your Bible teaches from cover to cover. Now, some weeks, our message is going to be evangelical. You know why? Because the particular passage that we're teaching that morning, as we get to it in scriptures, is evangelical. Other mornings, the text is going to deal with church life. It's going to deal with your personal walk with God. Or even sometimes end times, as we go through books like Revelation and and, uh, 2 Thessalonians. But see, by just teaching through the scriptures, we hopefully will give to you the biblical balance of the message of the Bible in the way that God gave it. You're just getting what he wrote with the balance of the message the way it's supposed to be laid out there in the scriptures. See, the other purpose of adult Sunday school serves in most churches, is it, is it, and, and, and I think this is the most important purpose, is it gives a small group environment. And that's very, very important in church. It gives you time to get to know other people that you're not going to get to know if the only time you're here is on Sunday morning from 9.15 to 11 to 1045 you need time to get to know other people and for this reason we do a lot of things here at calvary chapel that are geared towards small groups the ladies bible study the thursday night men's discipleship group ministries like time out which is a study geared to young married couples with kids there's also the after which hits our 20 somethings there's the wednesday night high school and middle school groups there's free indeed which is a small group geared around winning the battle against addiction There's the OFC, which is a group of grumpy old men who meet in our cafe on Wednesday mornings and have a great time together. I thought you ought to laugh about that, but they're they're really not. Well, yeah, they are grumpy. No, I mean, they're really not if everything goes perfectly, but sometimes. Next month, we're starting a group for older singles. In addition, guys, we try to plan a lot of regular fellowship time geared to help you meet and get to know some other people. We need each other. And so getting to know other people here at Calvary Chapel is really important to us. And I wish every person would make it a priority this year to try out one of these small groups. Take a chance. I know it's difficult to step into a a small group that you've not been a part of, but you need to do it because these are important times. See, we do an adult Sunday school. We do a small, we just don't do it on Sunday morning. 
And we'll talk a little later about why. That brings us to our next question. Why do we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible? Now, in some ways, I've already answered that question. We want to let God set the agenda for what's important, not the pastor. See, we're all human. And trust me, if I were up here every week and you said, James, you can teach whatever you want to teach, you know what I'm going to teach a lot of times? Things that I really have a passion and a heart for. I'm probably not going to teach certain things that, number one, I might want to avoid because they're controversial or I just don't like them. Or maybe I don't even like what God said about them and so I don't want to touch it. But you know what? When you teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, you've got to deal with some difficult controversial passages and trust me do you think pastor sandy would deal with some of the passages he deal with if he didn't have to well yeah he probably would if you know pastor sandy very well but it's only because he wants you to know the whole counsel of god and when we just teach you through the bible we can't skip passages that we don't like or that are tough or that bring a message that the world doesn't like today we just have to deal with them they're there we have to teach them you know, for the first 22 years of my life, I attended church every Sunday. I attended church most every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. That was the normal church experience when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s. You, that's just what you did. And at that time, I learned a lot about the Bible. I, I knew Bible stories. But in all those 22 years, I never once studied verse by verse through an entire book of the Bible. Never once. I knew a lot about the Bible, but I didn't always know the Bible in its proper context. I didn't always know where things were. I couldn't tell you what the book of Ephesians was about, even though I could probably quote three or four passages from the book of Ephesians that I had memorized. Since attending Calvary Chapel in the 42 years that I've been here, I've studied through the Bible verse by verse four times with Pastor Sandy. Four times. The very first Sunday that Don and I attended in July of 1981, Pastor Sandy was teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and 8. That's what he taught that morning. And you say, well, how in the world can you remember that? Because it was so revolutionary to me the first Sunday I attended. It was just, I, I, I'd never heard anything like it. If you've been here since COVID, we've moved through the, we, that's when we moved our through the Bible study of the Sunday morning. Do you realize if you've been here most Sundays since COVID, you have gone through the whole New Testament verse by verse from one to the other. You've had the whole thing in context in just three years. Two weeks ago, if you were with us, we covered three chapters of 1 Thessalonians. And some of you may ask, why do we have to go so fast? Well, right now, we just feel like it's important that we try to give to you the scripture in its right context and, and, and go at a pace where you walk out of here on Sunday morning and you sort of get a feel for not just what Paul said, but what Paul said in a given context. And at this pace, man, you're studying the letters of Paul sort of with the pace that he was writing them. And you, get, you begin to string the big ideas together of what Paul had in mind. You begin to see how Paul was thinking when he wrote it. And not just that you begin to see how God was thinking when he dictated it to Paul. So often, when we study the Bible, especially in a church setting, we often study it at a snail's pace. In other words, we dig so deep and slowly that 
we miss how God's thoughts and ideas flow together. And now, guys, understand, there's a lot of different ways to teach the Bible. And there are times when we need to slow down and we need to dig in. There's no doubt about it. And, and from time to time, we do that here. But we also realize how important it is to teach you the Scriptures where you get it as it was written. To where you sort of get the feel for the flow of the text. And at a pace where you can understand it in its context. And so, that's what we do on Sunday morning. And if you stay with us, guys, you're going to wake up one day and and all of a sudden somebody's going to say to you, Hey, what's the book of Ephesians about? And you're going to go, Oh, let me tell you. Man, the first chapter is all about, and, it's, and then when chapter, he gets to chapter 4, he totally shifts gears, and he starts talking about our personal walk, and you're going to know it. You're not just going to be able to quote a few verses. Next, let's tackle the question, why don't we have a formal membership role here at Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain? Let, let me start by saying that many people confuse church membership with being a Christian, and they are not necessarily synonymous, guys. You can be a member of a church and never have been born again into the body of Christ. See, I've met a lot of folks along the way that that think they're a Christian because when they were 10 years old, they went forward in that church and they signed on the dotted line and they joined a church and maybe they were even baptized, but they had never really given their heart to Christ. I've met other people that tell me, well, I was baptized as an infant. And then at some point I went through confirmation classes. But are they really saved? You know, in Matthew chapter 7, another verse from the Sermon on the Mount that we just studied, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But what? But he who does the will of my heavenly Father, my Father in heaven. See, my salvation, your salvation, it's not tied to church membership. It's tied to the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Am I daily doing the will of my heavenly Father? See, this is the evidence of salvation in my life. Not that my name's on a church roll somewhere. Here's what we believe about church membership in a nutshell. You're a member of Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain. If, number one, you've given your life to Christ, and you've been born again, and Jesus is the Lord, the ruler of your life. And number two, If you're an active part of our church. In other words, if you come, if you attend, if you get involved, if you're involved in the life and ministry of the church, then guys, you're a member. You may not have even known that, but you are. You don't have to sign up to be a member. You simply have to be a part of the life of the church. You have to be here. You have to support the work of Jesus here. And guys, isn't that real membership anyway? I mean, you're a member of the local gym, because why? Because you go there, and you work out. You can can go online and sign up for the local gym, but if you don't ever go there and work out, are you really a member, or are you just making a donation to them each month? I think you're just making a donation. See, it doesn't matter if your name's on a list here, if you don't attend are you a really a member? See, we believe membership is organic. Hey, you got to love Jesus. you got to be a part of what's going on here. And if you are, then you're a member. But just so you'll know, I thought I'd read to you from our bylaws what our bylaws say about church membership. You probably have never read this. Probably never looked at our bylaws. 
The membership of this church shall be open to any believing and confessing Christian who acknowledges and accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who is willing to subscribe to the policies of this church, in other words, you've got to kind of go along with what we're doing, and who desires to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, because if you don't, we're going to throw you out. (laughs) Just kidding. Persons desiring membership shall apply by contacting a pastor or an elder and receiving confirmation of membership. Now, some of you are thinking, I've never received a confirmation of membership. Well, let me tell you how that goes. It's sort of like this. You come up to me and you say, James, you know, we've been coming. We, we, we really enjoy being here. We want to be a member. I'm going to give you a confirmation of membership. You know what it's going to be? I'm going to give you a big hug, and I'm going to say something like this. Well, welcome to the family. Welcome to the church. We're glad you're here. You got confirmation. You're a part. All right? Some of you feel better now, I hope. You know you're a member. See, we want you to be a member of Calvary Chapel. We want you to embrace Jesus. We want you to get involved in the church. And if you do those two things, man, count yourself a member. Now, the next question I want to answer is this. Why do we do two services on Sunday morning? And it may not be for the reason that you think. Because first, right after COVID, we probably could have gotten away with just doing one service if we did it strictly from the standpoint of number of seats and number of people here. Now, starting about halfway through last year, I'm going to be honest with you, that would have been a little tight. It would have been pretty tight, real tight. And post-COVID, most people don't like sitting that close to somebody else. So a lot of you would have said, I'm staying home. It's too tight. I'm not going to come. But there are some other reasons why we do two services that I want you to understand. First, it gives you options. By having an 11:15 service and a 9:15 service, you have options. And here's why that's important. Our society no longer protects Sunday mornings, does it? We don't. Today, Sunday morning has been invaded by youth sports, by jobs that are now 24-7 for a lot of people, by commitments at school, even by family obligations. Man, if you've got unsaved family members, they don't care whether you go to church. They're going to plan things. They're going to expect you to be there. See, we have a 9-15 service in hopes that If your family has a baseball game this afternoon or a basketball game or a soccer game or something like that, hey, you can come to the 915 service. If if you've got to go to work, you know, some of you got got to be there at noon, the 915 gives you an alternative. And if all we did was 1115 or 1030, you might not be able to come. Others, (laughs) let's be more practical. Others are just late risers. You don't want to get up on Sunday morning and come to the 9.15 service. You struggle to get here by 11.15. I know that because I watch you come in after 11.15. And we're just glad you're here. But by having that option, if all we said was, hey, you got to come at 10 o'clock or don't come, you'd say, I ain't coming. No, no, you probably wouldn't. You'd probably adjust. But we want you to have options. And two services gives you options. But you know, there's another reason why. It's because it gives us room to grow. It changes our seating capacity from roughly 400 to 800 on a Sunday morning. And and in essence, we have two congregations supporting one facility. Do you realize how important that is to us? It takes money and it makes it less something we've got to stress about because we've got more folks supporting uh, the one building that we have. See, we believe there's wisdom in this approach. Another reason is that it makes our children's ministry less crowded. It spreads the kids out. And this allows us to give them more personal attention. We get to know every child's name. They're not just a face in the crowd. And, And so that's important to us. 
Now, is there a downside to doing two services? Sure. You want to know what it is? It's easier for us to miss you when you're not here. It is. Because oftentimes, and, and you guys that are really into knowing each other, you don't see somebody here. What's your initial thought? Oh, I bet they're coming at 1115. Oh, I bet they went to the other service. And, and, and you can miss them for a few weeks and make that assumption that they were at the other service. Now, one of the reasons that our, our pastors are here both services, well, because we're supposed to be, but one of the things we're supposed to be doing while we're here is we really try to pay attention to who's here and who's not here. And we're here for both services. Now, do we still catch everybody? No. Sometimes we don't. But just because of the sheer numbers of people. And, and if we've missed you from time to time, you know, we apologize. We're trying hard to know here's, who's here and who's not here so that we can communicate with you. But I do understand that dynamic exists. And so, you know what? If you don't see a regular 915 or here after a couple of weeks, you know, call them anyway. And then when they say, well, I was at 11.15, they say, well, then you need to let me know you were at 11.15. No, get on their case a little bit. Guys, we want to give you two services because we want you to have options. And we want our church to have room to grow. And for this reason, we're happy to do it. Now, let me quickly cover two more questions. First, why do we have female deacons, or we call them deaconesses? You know, a lot of churches don't. Well, let me tell you why we do. At Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain, our church is led by a group of pastors and elders. These are men that God has raised up to lead and to oversee the direction of our church. In our church, these are the positions of authority. These are the positions of leadership. And those men, the role of those men is to listen to Jesus and then to guide our church accordingly. In our governing church structure, deacons and deaconess are what we call our designated doers. They're a group of both men and women who are selected by the people of our church. We selected them last Sunday evening if you were here for our business meeting. And they help take care of the physical needs of our church and of the people in our church. They help us take care of the facility and the lawn like they did yesterday. They help us every time we do a big event. I send out an email, hey guys, we need you, we got a big event coming up, we need people to set up, we need people to clean up, we need people to, uh, you know, help serve food. You, 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 have you wondered, you know, who are those people, why are they here? They're our deacons, our deaconesses, we ask them to help us with all of those things. See, they're a group of hard workers that serve Jesus by serving the church. And guys, we got a great group here. Many of them were here yesterday helping lead our work day, and we so appreciate them and the work that they do. You know, it's interesting. In the New Testament, both men and women are identified as deacons. And this is an important role for us to remember. In, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Paul writes, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church at Sinria. You know, you know this word deacon, servant, it, it's the... Greek word for deacon. It's the same word. It could be translated here. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a deacon of the church in Centria. In the New Testament, the pastors and the elders were always identified and qualified as men. I have no doubt about that. But the role of the deacon is given to both men and women. And our deaconesses do a great job here. You know what they, you know the things that they do that are really important? They help us handle situations where we need a woman to handle it. 
and not just men, especially situations that arise from the particular needs of a woman in our fellowship. See, sometimes these ladies get involved in counseling and, and discipling a woman where, to be honest with you, if a man had to do that job, it would put him in an unhealthy situation and probably an unsafe situation for him and his marriage. And so we have ladies that we put in those situations, and they do a great job. They, they have a vital purpose here in the church, and so we're thankful for them. Let me give you one last question this morning. Probably, I don't know if any of you have ever thought about this. Maybe you have. Why do we serve juice instead of wine during communion? Guys, there is no question that Jesus drank wine. So for all of your friends that say, no, he didn't, it's a different, no, he drank wine. And you know what? When he did the Lord's Supper, or what we now call the Lord's Supper, at the Passover meal, you know what he served? He served wine. Why? Because in the New and Old Testament during those times, healthy, pure drinking water was hard to come by. It wasn't readily available, especially to normal people. And therefore, wine was a safe, healthy option. Today's different. we got lots of options today. You go in the grocery store, you can buy just about anything you want, and it can be non-alcoholic if you want it to be. And, and I, want, I want you to understand something. Though the Bible readily admits that there's certainly no prohibition against drinking wine, the Bible over and over again warns us of its danger. Verses like Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, where there Paul says, I mean, where the writer says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Or how about Proverbs chapter 31, one of my favorite verses, because it's a mother giving advice to her son, the king. And here's what she says. She says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. A mother giving to her son some good advice there. See, both of these verses are warnings to the people, especially the leaders, of the dangers of alcohol. Now guys, listen, let's be honest. In our country Alcohol is a snake that has bitten many, many people. And if you don't believe that, you are kidding yourself. The last thing that we want to do on Sunday morning is to be a cause for someone to stumble. See, the venom of alcohol has wrecked countless lives, and many of you are here this morning. God saved you. He freed you from the bondage of strong drink. And that's why we're so careful. That's why we don't want to put you in a situation where, you know, the last thing we do is try to involve you in the worship of communion, and all of a sudden, it causes you to backslide. And I've known many people that, guys, just a small cup of alcohol would have caused them to backslide. See, the point of the communion cup is not what's inside the cup. It's what the cup represents, It's the cup, whether it's filled with wine or whether it's filled with Welch's grape juice, which is what ours are usually filled with. It's it's that that cup represents the blood of Christ shed for us. 
the experience is not going to be more spiritual because we put wine in that glass. I promise you. See, the beauty of communion is the spiritual connection that we make to Jesus in our minds as we're focused on the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. That cup is a place of communion. It's a place of of focusing our hearts and our minds on Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us. It's not about what's inside the cup. And if we can protect a brother or a sister by serving grape juice, then that's exactly what we're going to do. So guys, there are some explanations of why we do what we do each week here. And I will readily admit that you may or may not agree with all of these, and that's okay. At least I want you to know why we do them. And maybe for some of you, that will help you understand, because you've looked and you've thought, well, I see they're doing that, but why? That seems silly. Well, there's reasons for it. In any decision that we make from a leadership standpoint, I want you to know that our heart is to do what's best for every person that walks through those doors on Sunday morning. And I came to the conclusion a long time ago, guys, that Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain is not for everybody. It isn't. And that's okay. Different folks need different strokes. They need different personalities in a church. But we hope that for your family, for your whole family, that coming here will help you grow and help you prosper in your walk with God. We want this place to be a place where you can worship God in an atmosphere that's decent and it's orderly. Because that's where we feel like God is going to be most praised and where you are going to grow the best. And so that's what we strive for. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person that you've brought here to be a part of of this church. And Lord, I I pray for them today that, uh, Lord, that, that maybe this has helped them to get to know their church a little better. And to get to know why their church functions the way it does. And, and Lord, we, we know that, Lord, you've created all kind of churches with all kind of personalities, Lord, because there's all kind of people. And, Father, we, we do pray, though, Lord, that if, if there are families here and outside of our church that could grow closer to you through being a part of Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain, Lord, I pray that you'll bring them here. I pray that you'll that you'll touch and anoint the members of our church to reach out, to bring others, Lord, that would benefit from what we're doing here. And Lord, especially at this Easter season where people are open to going to church. And so, Lord, I pray you'll guide us, that you'll put someone on our hearts that we can invite to be a part of of the church. Lord, that you would work in their lives. And so thank you for this time together this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.